Awesome. Welcome to church today. My name is Brett. I'm the lead pastor here. It's so great to have you. If this is your first time, thanks for joining us. We are starting a brand new series today to go along with our brand new service times, 9, 10, 30, and 12. So thanks for joining us. We're, we're going to start this journey together. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Oh, you're pretty good. Church is the best service as a full contact sport. So if you just, you know, shout it out, laugh along, even if you don't really think I'm funny, it would help me and it'll help you. And we'll all just get through this uh, together. Uh, sorry, one more time. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Perfect. If you've got a Bible, meet me over in Matthew chapter 11. The words are going to magically show up on the screen behind me. And if you're using... Uh, the Version Bible app, you can actually hit uh, the more button in the bottom right-hand corner, then events, and you'll find all the notes and scriptures for today already loaded onto your phone. Uh, so let's meet here. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Oh, I like that one. That's a good one. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Speaking of heavy burdens, I am a Blue Jays fan. I love baseball, and uh, you know, we're in a kind of rebuilding year uh, this year. That's all right. That's all right. We're going to turn a corner. Uh, one of my favorite pitchers for the Toronto Blue Jays is Marcus Stroman. I know that you probably don't know who that is, uh, but he's he's kind of one of those guys who's overcome all odds. He's an ace in Major League Baseball, being only five foot nine tall, which is crazy. You should be way over six feet tall. He's got this phrase, height doesn't measure heart. And I, I connect with that. I love that. But he's got another phrase and he's thinking about getting a tattoo of it. And he says this, never panic, just manage. Never panic, just manage. Cal, do you want to just close that door? That'd be very helpful. Uh, never panic, just manage. Now, on the surface, that sounds like great advice, maybe even great enough to put it as a tattoo on your body. But I would like to suggest today that that is a terrible way to live your life. Never panic, just manage. Any hide-and-seek fans here, like the game, hide-and-seek? Anyone, anyone want to play right now? Uh, my house, hide-and-seek is the thing. Like, it's the rage. My sons, I have two sons, five, and Kingston's turning three this week. Uh, they love hide-and-seek like they love hide. They will come to your house and play hide and seek. Like they will play hide and seek at any time, at any place. And I love playing hide and seek with them because every single time we play hide and seek, I always know when they think they have an incredible hiding spot. Because it goes like this. You know, I'm counting like nine, ten, ready or not, here I come. And then I do this thing, you know, oh, they're not over here. And they hide together, which is terrible. Like, don't hide together. Every man for himself. There's no participation trophies in this house. Anyways, not over here. And then I know that they think they have an amazing hiding spot because it goes, I hear this. <laughs> not over here. <laughs> I wonder where they could be hiding right now. They just can't help but give themselves away because they think it's so awesome, and I think they get that from their mom. Today, we're talking about this idea of brave face, game face. You're like, what is that talking about? Let me define for you brave faces. We're about to start a five-week journey on this subject. A brave face is simply this. It's the face that you put on when you leave the house to face the day so that nobody actually knows what's happening in your life. It's the face that you put on when you walk out the door and you want nobody to know that your marriage is falling apart. It's the face that you happen to put on when everything's going really, 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 really well, but you feel bad all, for all of your friends because you know the things that's going on in their lives and you don't want to show it either. The brave face is the face that we 
put on and we fully embrace Marcus Stroman's phrase, never panic, just manage. We're in full-time management mode. If I could just keep up appearances, if I could just put on this persona, if I could just project my confidence, then things will just come into alignment. That's not true. And though the panic doesn't come out because you keep telling yourself, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, it starts to manifest in other ways. Namely, it starts to manifest in a way called fear of being found out. You walk away terrified and afraid that somebody is going to figure out that you're not all right. That things aren't as they appear. That everything on the surface is, is not it. And so we just put on the brave face. Say, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. But what we don't realize as we're trying not to panic is that we're firmly planting ourselves in one spot because we're in survival mode. We hunker down. We're treading water. Whatever analogy you want to use, you're standing still. You're not moving forward. You're stuck. You're just treading water. And you think if you put on this brave face, you'll be able to connect with more people because they won't, they're not, won't be afraid of your baggage and your hurt and your pain. But in reality, you're putting up a wall between yourself and them because you're living in isolation and you can't connect with them and they can't connect with you because if they connect with you then they will know who you really are in Genesis 2 Adam gets this incredible privilege you know Adam and Eve Adam it's him and God and he gave names Adam got to give names to all the livestock all the birds of the sky all the wild animals but still there was no helper just right for him. He got this moment where he got to name all the animals. He's like, German Shepherd, Blue Whale, Sperm Whale. Adam, why are you thinking about that? Don't worry about it. Um, there's no helper adequate for me. Uh, and then this moment happens where he's like, platypus. And he names it a platypus, and the Lord's like, okay, well, let's write it down. Somebody write that. Is it a typo? No. And the platypus are still bitter about that moment right there. But the incredible privilege of naming something is just incredible. Like, the best part about having a pet is naming it. Like, we're in a pet-free household because of allergies and because cats are from Satan. But, uh, I mean, you might think differently, but you'll learn. Um, and they will teach you a lesson that you did not expect. And... So I think, like, if somebody could make a lot of money if they just brought puppies to people's house for an hour and a half and let them name them and buy them things, and then you took them away. Like, I would love that. Come for an hour, bring the puppies, we'll load Everett up with Benadryl. He'll be fine. He'll play with the dogs and just take it. I don't want the mess. I don't want the fuss. But there's something about naming something. It expresses our authority over it. You know, the Lord said that man would have authority and dominion over the earth, and that's why he got to name things, because he had some authority. Why don't we just slip over to Daniel chapter 1, if you have a hard copy Bible. Do we have any paper Bibles? You're allowed to bring a paper Bible to church. You know, I think it'll increase your spirituality by uh, an undisclosed amount. Okay, Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. If you're ready and still with me, say, let's go, preacher. All right. That was really bad. Okay. You can be better than that. Verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz. Let's just recognize this name for what it is. Ashpenaz is phenomenal, okay? It's like, what's your name? Ashpenaz. Okay. The, then the king, like, if you check in at hotels, maybe you could consider checking in under Ashpenaz. Anyways, 
The Lord, uh, sorry, not the Lord. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring the palace, uh, bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other no- noble families who had been brought to, uh, to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking men. And by the way, you know you're good-looking when it says you're good-looking in the Bible. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were, trained, uh, they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. Now, this kind of sounds like a whirlwind trip of a lifetime. You get conquered by another nation, but instead of like going to slavery or, you know, indentured labor, uh, you get to go into the king's palace, handpicked, hand-selected by being the finest of the finest. You already came from privilege. You get to ascend to a whole nother level of privilege with the other best and the brightest. So you can test yourself against the best and the brightest. And if you're highly competitive, that's a thing. You get to go hang out, eat with the king, eat the king's table and live in the king's palace with three years of free university and then work at the highest levels for the king. Now, on the surface, that looks amazing. This is actually a strategy and a planning very progressive by the king of Babylon of this day to bring in the best and the brightest young minds of every nation, their own people, when there is a problem. So you'd say, hey, Daniel, I got a problem with uh, some of these Jewish people. Uh, why don't you just go over and handle it for me because you know how we're supposed to do it. And when, they, when you talk, they listen to you because you're one of them. It's an incredible way to flip them. Then they did something interesting in verse 7. And I, I just read, I've read this passage I can't even tell you how many times. And I never caught this. Thank goodness for Pastor Chris Hodges in his book, Daniel dilemma. Verse 7, the chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it just flows off the tongue. It's pretty good. Belteshazzar, you're like, ah, yeah, that's fine. You know, it's, you know, it's cool. I mean, he still got his book called Daniel, so it's fine. But it's more than meets the eye. It's like, Transformers. You see, when they changed Daniel's name to Belteshazzar, they didn't just change his name, they changed something else. You see, Belteshazzar isn't a man's name. Belteshazzar is a woman's name. He's the original boy named Sue. They literally changed his name and they changed his gender. They didn't change his gender in any other way. They just changed in his name so they could lord it over you as that's the guy with the woman's name. And they changed his name from Daniel, meaning God is my judge, to Belteshazzar, which is lady or hey woman, protect the king. Hananiah, his name was Yahweh, which is a Hebrew name for God. God has been gracious. They changed his name to Shadrach, which means I'm afraid or terrified of God. Mishael, listen to the meaning of this name. Who can compare to God? No one. (laughs) That was what his name meant. You know what they changed it to? Meshach, I'm despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Meaning, I'm a joke. Every time someone said their name, they're literally saying, hey, joke. Hey, lady. Hey, joke. 
hey, man who's terrified of God, and that's a small g God. It didn't mean God Almighty. It meant God the King. Every time they said their name, they reminded you that you were not your own anymore, that you were possessed by somebody else. Every time they said their name, they, they said your name, they tried to break your soul and change your mentality, change who you serve, change who you worship, change how you operate, change your personality. They tried to break you. Every time they said their, your name, it was like a curse was being pronounced over your life. You see, that the Hebrew understanding of naming was so much more than just finding a few names in a baby book that look and sound good together. It was a pronouncement over the child's life. It carried a weight and it carried a significance so that every time their name was spoken, it would launch them into the future with the promise of, promises of God. That's why his name was, my God is gracious. No matter what situation you get and you say, God, I'm just going to keep saying my name, saying my name, because God is gracious. And I'm going to break through. Think about the, the kind of breakthrough prayer that Mishael has when who can compare to God? No one. Hey, what do we do in the midst of this situation? I don't know, but I'm going to reference my name. It's a promise of God that's been given to me. Who can compare to God? No one. See, when they started to change these men's names, they started to change their identities. They started to change their personas. So I guess the question for us today is who's shaping your identity and what voice are you listening to? What name has been given to you, or what name have you given yourself? See, changing your names in the Bible isn't a new thing. God does it all the time. You know, Saul to Paul, Abram to Abraham, and every time he does it, he expresses his goodness and his promise in the future. You know, when he changed Abram's name and Sarai's name, he added a huh, which is the breath of the breath, whoops, the breath of God. Onto their name. How incredible to add your name that every time you say the name, you're saying it with the breath of God. What voice is shaping your identity? To borrow from Arwen McManus, these, peop these people and personas that we're pretending to be is our Shawshank. And our only redemption is breaking free of these prisons that we've created for ourselves. Every time we put the brave face on, we're creating a wall and a barrier. Thinking you can connect, but really, it's that very mask that you put on that creates the separation, creates the distance. It's the guardrails, it's the walls to your castle. Don't even get me started about built forms of our communities where our garage is where we can drive straight into the, you know, the drawbridge of our house and close it off into our kingdom. We can walk in. It's why we're disconnected in community. If you're looking for community, if you're looking for connection, it starts with being real. It starts with being authentic. If you're looking to connect with Jesus, do you understand that every time you put the brave face on, you're saying, no, not you, me. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make a way through. I'm going to survive. I'm going to do this. Every single time you cry out to him and you leave the brave face on, you're saying, no, no, stay back. I want to take care of these areas. I don't want you to get involved. What voices are you listening to? Proverbs 23, uh, 7 frames it marvelously. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart, so you are. What are the words, the lies, the stories, the, the drama? What's the face, the mask, the persona that you've crafted yourself to be? And contrast it with who were you created to be. 
this morning as we begin this five-week journey, I just want to reorientate our headspace for a moment. It's the beginning of the journey. What voice are you listening to? I can tell you what voice I'm listening to. Jeremiah 1 verse 5. This is God speaking. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before there was a you to know, God knew you. Then he knit you together in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. Meaning before you came into this life, God already chose you. He already selected you. You're already on the team. You're already walking with him. He said, listen, I want you. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're not overlooked. You're not forgotten. Before you were born, God first stitched you together. Before you were you, he knew you. And before he knew you and you knew you, he set you apart and he called you and he chose you for an incredible plan, purpose, and a destiny. What voice are you listening to? What's shaping your identity? I listen to the voice of God that says, I knew you and I know you better than you could even know yourself. Listen to this, the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He planned on you doing incredible things. You just plan on yourself making it to tomorrow. The incredible thing about this is we're God's masterpiece. Another translation says we are his workmanship. He is the master craftsman and we are the showpiece. The spectacle of the art gallery is who you are. How can we each be unique? Because our master artist is not limited to one success. And then he gives us this opportunity. He gives us this incredible opportunity that if we've gone our own way, if we've gone astray, if we've stayed stuck and we've stayed hidden and we've just left the brave face on, that he says, come on, if you come with me, I want to create something new with you. I want to give you a new opportunity to transform you, to bring you from where you are right now into where we are next. So where do we come here? Where do we go next? Philippians 3. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieve it, achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, this is awesome, but it's tricky because to forget the past and look forward to the future, we have to be fully aware with eyes wide open and honest in this moment in the present so that we can make a choice to move from the past and move into the future. You can't just magically hope and wish that your past is going to go away. This isn't re-erasing history. This is acknowledging right here, right now. This is where I am right now. This is where God intended to meet, and I'm going to let go of the things that are holding me back. In fact, it brings us out further in Hebrews 12. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let us strip off the weight that holds us back. You know what that looks like? It looks like us for a moment being honest and acknowledging that there is baggage and there are burdens that are slowing us down. 
That's where we start. Now, a lot of us carry this guilt and shame about being real because what if they find out how bad I am? Well, the freeing part is found in Romans 3 that all have fallen short of God's glorious standard, meaning everybody in this room is equal amounts of hot mess in some area of their life. That's just the reality. Some part of you is, is broken. Some part of me is broken, and we are all in desperate need of Jesus. That's where we start. We just get honest for a moment saying, I'm broken. You're broken. We're broken together. We're honest together. But you know what we're doing? We're moving forward together. Let us strip off every weight, all the baggage. Let's let it go for a moment. Let go of the baggage for just one moment. Revelation but I have this complaint against you you don't love me or each other as you did at first translated in our modern day vernacular stop going through the motions you see when we put the brave face on we automatically create separation in every side of us to keep ourselves safe we go through the motions the one who gave himself for us who willingly died for us who went while we were utterly helpless he came at just the right time that person that guy we say get away move away i'm ashamed of who i am and where i'm at and he said don't you know that the whole reason that i died for you is so that you don't have to be ashamed so that you can move forward so that you can find new life stop going through the motions with jesus stop across this place when we bow our heads and close our eyes if you're here today and you say that's me i'm stuck i'm treading water i'm barely surviving i'm carrying baggage i'm walking wounded and i'm a walking fraud waiting to be exposed at just the next turn can i tell you it's not a mistake that you're here it's not an accident jesus is here to meet you in this place right now in this moment you don't even maybe can understand how that's possible but it is and he's here and he sent me to give this message to you that today is the day of moving forward today is the day of starting fresh today is the day of moving into a new destiny and a new life you no longer have to be held back or hindered by this baggage or by these wounds you're not defined you're not defined by what happened to you you're defined about who happened to you and that who 
is Jesus. So if you're here today, first things first, if you're here today and you say, that's me, I'm stuck, I'm treading water, I need, I need to change, I need to give my weight, I need to give this heavy burden to Jesus, I just need to get it off of myself and give it to Jesus. If that's you, I don't care if it makes you feel comfortable, put both hands up in the air right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All across this room, hands are going up, just give it to Jesus right now. You're like, I don't even know what I'm doing, just give it to him right now. All you're doing is making a symbolic gesture, God is yours, I surrender, I surrender, I'm not going to try and control it. I'm not going to try and manipulate it. I'm not going to try and make it what I want it to be. No, it's what he wants it to be. We're following Jesus one step at a time. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest. You can be brave and you can be honest in this place. Nobody's looking around. More hands are going up. Let's be brave and let's be honest. This is your moment to be set free. This is your moment to encounter Jesus. This is your moment to start afresh. This is a moment to start a new journey. Amen. God, right now, I pray that you would come and you begin to lift the heavy burden off their shoulders. Father, I pray pray that you would begin to speak uh, life and truth and destiny into them. Father, I pray that you would bring voices and people into their hearts and minds and their lives to speak your truth. Lord, I pray every time that they open your word that the pages would just like come alive and jump off the words. It's like speaking right into their soul. Second thing, second, if you're here today and you've never started your journey with Jesus. You're like, this is all good. This is all cool. But you've actually never started. You might have even been around for a long time. You might be what I call a cultural Christian. You just come because it's the thing to do or you married into it or whatever. But you've never made that decision personal. You can't get where you want to go if it's not personal. God has no grandchildren. There's no second level. You're either with Jesus or you're not. So if you want to be with Jesus, if you want to experience this life and this freedom, then this is your moment. This is your time because he's waiting to give it to you. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if you want to follow Jesus today, you might not even know all of what that means, but you just say, I got to get this thing started right now. I'm going to count down from three. And when I get to one, you just give me a quick wave. You would say, you want to follow Jesus. You want to start that journey with Jesus today. You just give me a quick wave when we get down to one. As I'm counting, you just need to know that everybody else in this room that's been where you are right now, that's that's made this decision, is praying for you right now. Let's go. You want to follow Jesus? Give me a wave. Three, two, one. Give me a quick wave. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? All right. You might even say, wow, putting my hand in the air, that's just too much for me right now. I'm overwhelmed. There's a yellow card in the seat back in front of you that says, I have decided. Fill that out. Drop it at the back table. But before we do that, would you all pray with me? And as I pray, if you feel comfortable, repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus. Jesus. Just turn the volume up. Say, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. I need you. I need you. you. Right now, now. I need you. I I give you my mess. I give you my wins. I give you my losses. I give you my successes. I give you my sins. It's all yours. I give it to you. I'm following you, Jesus, in every moment. Today, I'm taking my mask off. And I'm moving forward. I commit my life right now to follow you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, can we give a big round of applause for those who prayed that prayer for the very first time?